This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parzvayete guys, Parakhov test Pasuk Yechas. We're going to deal with this Pasuk. It's bothered me for a long, long time. And finally I decided, all right, I'm going to give a share on this. I'm going to try to figure out as much as I can. It says, Vayav Yaakov is Rachel Vayomer. Yaakov loved Rachel, and he said, I'm going to work for you for seven years for Rachel, your daughter, the young one. Seven years. And it says in Pasuk I'm skipping you a test in the middle, it says, So he worked for her for seven years. So because he loved her so much, it was as if it was just a few days that had passed. Just a few days had passed, that's what it felt like to him. Something's wrong here. Something's really, really wrong. Yaakov is 77 years old. He was 63 when he received the brachos. He went to Yeshiva Shem for 14 years. He's 77 when he comes there, and he meets Lavan, and he offers to work for seven years that he wouldn't be ma- married until the age of 83. There's something just wrong with that. 83, 84, just something's wrong. Why in the world would you offer that? That doesn't make sense at all. And aside from that, we're Jews, right? This is the worst attempt at bargaining down loving you've ever heard in your life. You don't start at seven years. You start off and say, well, I think I'm going to marry your daughter. I think she's worth a year and a half. And Lovin will say, oh, no, she's, only worth, she's worth seven years or bust. And you say, well, maybe I'll do two. Oh, no, you can't go more than six. Like, you bargain them down. You don't start with seven. Immediately, Lovin took one look at that and said, that's ridiculous. Of course I'll do it for seven years. That it, what was he thinking? So I have 12 answers that we're going to go through. I don't know if we'll be able to go through all 12, but it's a, it's a real dozen here. I do have a baker's dozen as well. I have a 13th, which is a possibility, but I'm not going to mention that one for sure. But here's the idea. Rashi says that Rivka Yimenu told her son in last week's parsha, at the end of last week's parsha, you should go to love and live there for yamim achadim, for literally a few days, right? Yamim achadim. Yaakov thought that these years were going to be the yamim machadim that Rivka said. And that's the reason why it says, ki yamim machadim ba'avasoso. In Pasachov, they were like the yamim machadim that Rivka Yimenu had offered. This seemed to him to be the yamim machadim. Now, the question is, how do you get yamim machadim a few days to equal seven years? How in the world did Yaakov think that a few days was going to be this type of, this far off that was going to be seven years altogether? Rabbeinu Ephraim, only the Rabbeinu Ephraim would do this, because only the Rabbeinu Ephraim knows a gematria like this. Rabbeinu Ephraim says, Yomim Achadim is a gematria of 163. In Atbash, Yomim Achadim is Mem Yud, Mem Yud, Tuf Samach Kuf Mem Yud, 710. A total of 873, which is the same gematria as Yomim Sheva Shonim which Yomim means seven years. That's a great gematria. And I give kudos to the Rabbeinu Ephraim for spending the time to go ahead and figure that one out because that was awesome to be able to go into Atbash and be able to figure that out. The reason she wanted him to stay there, she knew through Ruach HaKadosh, who would be Zohar to have 12 children who were going to end up being the Shvatim. She knew that everything worked out well. They were born seven months away from one another. Think about it. If you have 12 Shvatim born seven months apart from one another... Well, do that math, guys. 12 times 7 seven months is the same as 7 years of 12 months each. So that makes sense. He'd have to stay there to have that. Now, it wouldn't be easy for the one wife who would have all those children of 12 children within 7 months, 7 months, 7 months, 7 months. But nonetheless, says the Rabbeinu Ephraim, that's what he assumed. He assumed, Rivka assumed it would take 7 years. But there's a problem with that, Rabbeinu Ephraim, because remember, he worked for the seven years before he married Rachel. So if this assumption is being made by Yaakov Vinu, that he was going to marry Rachel immediately, 
and then it be there for seven years, something's off because he never did that. He offered to work for seven years. That's not what Rivka wanted. Rivka wanted him to be there for seven years, have all the children, and then come back, and he didn't do that. Then it says this took work on Yaakov's part. He had to figure out the riddle of what Rivka Yimenu meant when she said, Yamim Achadim. He realized there's no way his mother meant a few days. There's no way. Yamim Achadim, you should stay there for a few days. Lovin lived so far away. There's no way Lovin's going to give up his daughter, let him stay there for a couple days, and that's that. That doesn't make any sense at all. Instead, it must be years. It's got to be years. And that's how Yamim is translated sometimes in the Torah. You see the word Yamim means years in different parts of the Torah. That makes sense. But he figured something else as well. Achadim means individual years. Instead of a shvua or a cycle or a certain amount of years that were inside there, he figured, I'm not going to work for yamim and that's it. It'll be yamim achadim. A few years, which is less than a shemitah cycle. A shemitah cycle is exactly seven years. He figured he'd work for seven years, but not exactly seven years, me'es la'es, from that date to that date. He worked for seven years, basically. A few means anything under a seven-year Shemitah cycle. And he worked for that amount, so he assumed that that's what Rivka Aminu meant. Again, according to the Nativ, even if that's true, why was Rivka Aminu suggesting seven years? Even if this is the Pshat, and we're trying to go with this, and this is our idea, why would Rivka Aminu suggest that? Something so strange. Taimi Dekra, Rechaim Knievsky gets involved over here, says Achadun can be counted as singular years. Until seven years, you can count it as first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. Once you get to seven years, it's a new cycle. You count again. First year, second year, third year. So Yomim Achadim can only be under seven, and that's why it's referring to this amount of years in that way. It's possible that all these answers are correct. It's just weird because it's not explaining Rifko. What was she thinking? Yeah. Well, no, but the seven years was the plan of how long he should be there in order to do this, and therefore he suggested seven years of work. That was the idea. Why didn't he? Why didn't he get the sign from, I mean, Ripka sent to him to try to get him back? We'll talk, eventually we'll get to that. Rabbi Yudah Saad says in the Ma'ari, he suggests that the world was created, when the world was originally created, Shabbos had a complaint. He said every other day of the week has a pair. Sunday connects with Monday, Tuesday with Wednesday, Thursday with Friday. But me, I don't have anything. I don't have anything, so what am I supposed to do? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the Medrash says, don't worry, B'nai Yisrael will be your pair. It'll be your second. There'll be you and B'nai Yisrael, Shabbos and B'nai Yisrael, which is a great answer, right? Shabbos is connected. The same thing, says Rabbi Yudasad, happens with Shemitah. Shemitah says, the first year connects with the second year, third and the fourth year, fifth and the sixth year, but the seventh year, me, I'm not connected to anyone. I don't have any connection. What am I going to be connected to? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, don't worry, Shemitah. Shemitah, you will be connected with Klal Yisrael. Shemitah will be connected with Klal Yisrael itself. For that reason, says Rabbi Yudasad, it's called Yomim Achadim. Yomim Achadim is, it's the year that is considered Echad, unique separate from all the others. Every other one is a pair. First and second is a pair. Third and fourth, fifth and sixth. This is the Yom, the Shabbos, the year, so to speak, that is considered a Chodim. And again, it was a hint, but we still don't have an answer for Rivka. All of this is a great answer as to why he went there, but it doesn't answer what was happening in Rivka's mind. Why was this the suggestion over there? The Moshev Zikanim says it didn't go exactly in the way you thought it would. He told Lovin he wanted to marry his daughter because his father told him to, even though he didn't want to have Lovin as a father-in-law. So he went in already saying, Lovin, I don't want you. I need your daughter, because that's what my, my father said, that I'm supposed to be together with your daughter. 
I'm supposed to marry your daughter, but I don't want you as a father-in-law itself. So therefore, because of that, if you're willing to give me her, Rachel, for a small amount of money, I'll do it. Otherwise, Lovin could just name his price. And whatever Lovin named, Yaakov had to follow up because simply put, he couldn't say no. He was required from Yaakov you know, to marry this girl. He had no choice but to do so. So whatever Lovan would offer, he had to do. So really, in Pasuk Yerches, where it seems like Yaakov offered seven years, according to the Moshe Zekanim, Lovan said seven years, and Yaakov just said, okay, I guess I'll do that. He had no choice in the matter because he had to do whatever he had to do. He might have even bargained him down. Maybe Lovan said ten. And Yaakov said, no, I'm only doing seven. Maybe that is what happened. Maybe that is the idea behind it. I don't know. But that's what it seems to have been. Mazi? Why would you have to show self-contradiction? I don't know if he said it directly. He sort of went up to him and said, I want to marry your daughter. What is the offer? What do you want me to give as a dowry? And Lovin said, 10 years of work. To which he said, no, I don't want it. So it could have been there was a bargaining down. It could have been the Yaakov actually brought it down to seven years. The second answer that we have is the Rabbeinu Bechayah. The Rabbeinu B'chaya is probably the most shotten answer, even though it's the least satisfying. You'll hear what I'm saying in a second. Rachel Imenu, at the time when Yaakov originally met her, was five years old. In order to marry her, he wanted to wait until she was of marriageable age. And back then, the marriageable age was 12. Even though that seems extremely strange to us now, especially for an 84-year-old to marry a 12-year-old, that was the marriageable age of when they got married. So therefore, because she was five at the time and he wanted to wait until she was 12, he simply put, he said, I'll work for the next seven years until she's ready to be married. Now, it's by far, it's the easiest shot answer. You don't have to go into anything crazy, even though, as I said, it's the least satisfying because to us, that seems really strange that he married a girl who could be his great-granddaughter, easily be his great-granddaughter, yeah. If Rivka Imenu was three, right, there's a famous Rip Schwab on that, and whether the Medrash means to say that Rivka Imenu was mamish three, that we've talked about in years past. There's obviously, it's a possibility that Rivka was three and that Yitzchak Imenu married her and then waited 20 years in order to whatever, but at the end of the day, it seems strange. It seems more likely she was older, and Rav Schwab gives an answer as to how the Medrash works out with the Pshat that Rashi says that she was three years old. Yeah, Paul. Why are we saying 12, not 9? I know that 9 is old. That's really, uh, technically, that's for a boy. Technically, by a girl, it's 3. Technically, by a girl. However, we pass by 12, that's when she's Roy Laholid, when she can give birth. And therefore, without any danger involved, that's what the Gemara Yivama says, she's, there's no Mishamshos Bamoch, so to speak, there's no ability or whatever. So regardless, 12 years old is the time that she's Roy Laholid, that's what he wanted to wait for, and that's that. So that's it. Maybe that's why he indicated Rachel Bitcha Haketana. He said the young one. Now, Rashi says it's because he was trying to make sure, Rachel, not Leah, Bitcha, not a Rachel from the Shuk, Haketana, the younger one, don't switch names. And we know that, that's what Rashi says. But according to this, Rabbeinu Bechaya, it makes more sense. He said, Rachel Bitcha Haketana. Tana, the young one. The reason why I'm working for you for seven years is because she's too young. I can't marry her yet. I have to wait until she's at least 12 years old. So therefore, he's waiting up until that point, And that's the idea behind it. Fine. That's that. Yaakov understood that the purpose of marriage, at least for him, was to be able to have children. She wasn't going to be able to have children until that time. That's that. And this isn't really the Rabbeinu Bechayah's answer. As much as I'm saying it's the Rabbeinu Bechayah's Chiddush, it's not. It's the Zohar that brings it. So the Zohar brings down this answer as well. I don't, the Rabbeinu Bechayah doesn't quote the Zohar. He may have been mechalish this without seeing the Zohar. That's a possibility. But regardless, the Rabbeinu Bechayah says that that's the idea behind it. The Shach says it's straight out of Pasuk and Hosea. Everybody knows the Pasuk and Hosea, right? We all knew that Pasuk and Hosea. Perak Yud Beis Pasuk and says, Vayavod Yisrael Be'isha. Yisrael worked for a woman. Ube'isha Shomar. 
And for a woman, he waited. He waited for her to grow older in order to marry her. He had to wait for her to become 12 years old in order to marry her. That was the idea behind it. It's a brilliant answer. It's a brilliant answer. The Chassam Sofer says, although to us, right, I guess it makes sense, again, that 12 years old is a normal age when women can give birth. It's strange back then. Because in Sanhedrin, Samachtes, it says that in the previous generations, women were able to give birth at the age of six. In other words, again, for us, it's even strange for a 12-year-old to get married, and I get that, right? But at least 12 years old makes sense to us because that's when the royal holid. But the Gemara goes through a whole thing where even six-year-old girls were able to give birth back then. It, and that was a possibility. If that was a possibility, then why would he wait? Why would Yaakov wait until she was 12 if six was a possibility back in the day? Why would that happen? He answers based on a Gemara in Ksuvis. He says, based on the Gemara Ksuvis, Yud Aleph, that says, if a ger katan, is an amazing Ksam Sofer, if a ger katan, a young, young boy who becomes a ger, goes to the mikvah, al-das Bezdin, meaning he's five years old, six years old, seven years old, and he goes to the mikvah along with Bezdin, right? Rav Yosef says that when he goes then, then when he gets older, this child that was Megayer through Bezdin, he has the ability to be mocha. He can make a macha. He can protest. When he turns 13, he can then decide, do I want to keep the gerus that I had? Or say, no, I don't want it. And decide that he can become a non-Jew again. Retroactively, the mikvah didn't mean anything at all. So that's a gerkatan. A gioris can do the same thing. She can go to the mikvah when she was younger. And then when she turns 12, she has the ability to be mocha. She can complain. She can protest. And immediately she doesn't. And that's the pshat. It could be that that's why Yaakovina waited until she was 12. Says the Chassam Sofer. Even though she was Roy Yilaholid, she could give birth before 12 at the age of 6. But he held that she had to become a gioris. In order to become a gioris, you had to make sure she wasn't going to make a machah. When would she make the machah? When she turns 12. So he waited for her to turn 12. When she didn't make a machah, when Rachel Aminu did not make a machah, that's when he would marry her. That's what he decided to do. And that's why he waited until 12. So that's a great combination of answers. Meaning, in theory, he could have married her beforehand. He didn't have to offer seven years. But he did so in order to wait to make sure that she was going to remain fully Jewish. Wait, no, you had a question? If she's retroactively not, yeah. I don't think it works that way because at the time she thought she was Jewish. So even though she kept Shabbos and normally a Jew, non-Jew that keeps Shabbos is Chayiv Misa. First of all, the Chayiv Misa is not down here. It's in Shemayim. So like Shemayim's judging it. But I think because your mindset was that you're a Jew at the time, I don't think that would... Like if a person kept Shabbos right now and then found out they were a non-Jew, right? They're not Chayiv Misa for the fact that they kept Shabbos when they thought they were a Jew, even though retroactively you weren't Jewish the entire time. So it would be the way. Paul, yeah. So, so did she the truth is, when she turns 12, immediately, that birthday, that's when she has to do it. That's how we pass in the when it comes to any of these things. So it has to be right then, right, when she turns that 12. And I think it's like toward the beginning of the day. Tam Bedas, this is Sturmbach and the Beremein Chaim bring the Zohar that says he purposely asked for seven years for the following. Rachel Amin was a beautiful girl. Leah was not as beautiful. She had any Leah Rakos. Rachel Amin was a beautiful girl. He had a feeling that people thought he was going into this marriage only for the beauty. And in order to show them, I'm not doing this for the physical reasons. I'm doing this for the spiritual reasons because I know this is my wife. I am willing to wait seven years in order to marry her. Now, that's not normal. If it was a physical desire, you wouldn't wait seven years, seven years for that. That's ridiculous. Who would do that? 
he showed everyone this is not a physical thing. And when they said, sure it isn't. You chose the most beautiful girl in the land, and it's not a physical thing. Sure it isn't. He said, no, this has nothing to do with beauty. I'm marrying this girl for the right reasons, and I'll show you. He waited seven years, and that showed that he was doing it for the right reasons. That was the idea behind it. That's how Tom Bidas ends up saying it. The Chizkuni says, he knew how beautiful Rachel Levin was. He knew that Lavan would receive in return for her a ton more money. We see this. We see this in other areas. Shabbos Payamadez, Rabibi, used to put certain types of plaster on his daughter, on the hair of his daughter, so that his daughter didn't have any hair and she was made more beautiful because of it. It's a Gemara. He received double the amount that you normally would as a dowry because of how beautiful she was. So he knew Rachel Imenu was going to get Lavan a huge dowry. And Lavan was waiting for that. Lavan was waiting for the huge amount of money he was going to get for Rachel. So for Yaakov Inu to come along and say, I want to marry your daughter. He knew he had to up the price to a point where Lavan couldn't say no. If you would have said, I'll marry your daughter, and I'll work for you for one year. Lavan will say, no, I'll make more money if I just give her to anybody else. So he said, all right, two years. He didn't want to bargain, because if he bargained, what could happen? What Lavan might do is he might get angry and say, forget it, I'm out. I don't want to do this, and then give her to the next best offer. So he offered something that no one else could do, seven years of work. Says the Chizkuni, he offered that because he knew it would be the highest amount that Lovin would get for her. It was a huge amount of money. He was going to be offered more from other people, but seven years of work is something that Lovin couldn't turn down. So he didn't. He didn't turn it down, and he actually did it. That's the idea behind it. The Malbim says there was a Cheshben here. There was a Cheshben that he made. Rachel is a beautiful girl, so he offered Lovin three years. Three years of work for her. That's it. He only offered three years. But then he said, I want to make sure that I'm not going to be forced to marry the other daughter as well. I want to be sure that I'm not going to marry Leah. I'll give you another two years of work in order for you not to give me Leah. So I don't have to marry Leah. So that was five years. And then he said, I also want to make sure, what's the other one over here? He said, I want to make sure that, what was the other one? Uh, Oh, because I know that people want to marry the the older daughter before the younger daughter. For you to give up the right to marry the older daughter before the younger daughter, I'll give you another two years. So he said three years for Rachel, two years not to marry Leah, two years to marry the younger daughter before the older daughter. That's the seven years. So it was like offers one on top of the other. Love and agreed to everything. But you know what he didn't agree to? The conditions. He said, fine, I'll give her to you. He never said, I won't give you Leah. He never said, I won't marry the older daughter before the younger daughter. He never said that. So he ended up giving to her. Yaakov worked for all seven years. And then afterward, he gave her Leah, right? Gave Yaakov Leah. Yaakov looked at Lovin and said, we had a deal. Lovin said, oh, did you not hear me? Oh, I'm so sorry. I signed the contract, but only part of it. I didn't sign the other part. Oh, you didn't hear that? No, there's, there's no way. No, you came late. You can't ask a question for at least 20 minutes. I'll get to you in 20 minutes. So here we go. That's the Sforno. That's how the Malbim says it over here. There's a Sforno over here as well. Sforno suggests... The reason he asked for seven years is because a tzaddik would never want to marry a woman before having the amount of parnasa necessary to take care of her. Is that awesome? How, how could a tzaddik on the, the stature of Yaakovinu possibly get married without parnasa in the bag? Without having a set parnasa that he knows he would be able to do it. Right? We all hold that way, right? Everybody, nobody gets married until they have a full parnasa ready to go. It's amazing, right? This Sforno says he needed to work for seven years in order to build up equity, in which he worked for Lavan, 
and was building up some money on the side. I don't know what he did. I don't know, on the side, he was like, I don't know, in the stock market or whatever it was. But he waited seven years to build up enough money so he'd have his own parnasa while working on the side. Now, that's weird because at the end of 14 years, he turns to Lavan and says, I need to make money for myself. It sounds like up until that point, he literally had nothing. And Yaakovin was the quintessential Kolo guy. He's been in Kolo for the last 77 years. Can you imagine that? Without being married. 77 years in Kolel, right? He had the 63 years. By Yaakovin, 14 years in Yeshiva Shem Ever, And then he comes in with absolutely nothing, right? And he goes up to Lavan and he offers it. So it's a weird Sforno. He didn't want to do anything until he had money. But he didn't have money even after seven years. He didn't have money after 14 years. He had to work for another six years. And granted, he became really wealthy after six years because that's the way, right? But if we started working at the age of 94, <laughs> I'm sure it would work out the same way. We, we would be fine, right? The age of 94, that's, like, can you imagine? Like, yeah, I'll go into business at 93. <laughs> the age of 93, one year before Yaakov, that, that's the idea behind it. But says the Sforno, that's what he did. And therefore, he said, I'm willing to work for seven years to build up my dowry to be able to have something, and then I'll be able to marry Rachel. But he wouldn't do it otherwise. He refused to do it otherwise. That's an awesome answer. It's just something that we don't see nowadays very often by everybody. I should say by everybody. This is the fifth answer. The Orachim HaKadosh says... I don't know how this makes any sense, but he goes through it, and I'm sure there's something behind it, and I'd love to know it. He says every tzaddik goes to the number seven. He always does it. When he bowed down to Esav, he bowed down seven times. When he went to Yeshiva Sheva Aver, he went there for seven years and seven years. He worked for Rachel for seven years and then seven years for Leah, and he would have worked for another seven years, but Hashem told him to leave after six. He was dealing with sevens. He always dealt with sevens. And maybe it's because Sheva Yipot Tzadik become. Maybe because seven times the Tzadik falls and then he'll be successful. So maybe he always did seven for that reason. But because of that, says the Orachim HaKadosh, seven is the number for success. I think what that means is, is that if a person wants something to succeed, he should use the number seven in some way, shape, or form. It should be about the number seven. I don't know exactly how that works. And I don't really know exactly what the Orachim HaKadosh means. But he says that's the idea behind it. The Baramayim Chaim calls this as well. He calls it the Mida Haklula Beshiva, the Mida known as seven. But I, I, again, I don't understand fully what that, that means exactly or how it works. The Orachim suggests another answer about Eved Ivri. I'm not going to go into that right now because that's too difficult of an answer. He just says, an Eved Ivri works for six years, so Yaakov wanted to be more than an Eved Ivri, so he worked for seven years altogether. I'm sorry? That's the reason why the number seven is so important. Because everybody in those days knew that my separation was seven. They believed that God created the world in seven days. So seven is the most important day. I mean, it is amazing, right? That the entire world believes that there are seven days of the week. Now, granted, four billion people in the world hold that the Bible is real or whatever it is. Because if you have Christianity and Islam plus us... And they all believe the Bible is something. So everybody believes the world is created in seven days. You have about four billion people, maybe four and a half billion people. But the whole world believes that the week is seven days. That deals, that's only because of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And that's only because of the way. So I think that has something to do with over there. There is an Olari over here and a Rabbeinu Ephraim. They're both amazing. They're both dealing with that same Orachayim HaKadosh. They go into it. Pardis Yosef says from a Sefer, Tzintzenes Menachem. There's a Gemara in Erevin, Dafsamachalaf, that says... That a dog, when it's out of town, when it's not in its normal place, lo minbach for seven years. It doesn't bark 
for seven years. If a dog finds itself lost, it'll take seven years for it to bark. I know, in reality, dogs don't live past seven years. Maybe it means seven years in doggy years. I have no idea. I don't know what the Gemara means by it, but it means that at least the concept of what we're talking about over here is, is that it takes seven years for a dog to get used to its surroundings and feel like it's comfortable, that it can actually do something. It takes seven years to get yourself up and to move yourself up and to be able to actually do it. Yaakov was planning on living in Lovin's house. And he knew if he was living in Lovin's house and Lovin would be there, right? He wouldn't be the master of his own household. It would take him seven years to build himself up and be able to bark, so to speak, and be the master of his own household and not be mishubed to Lovin and listen to everything that Lovin says. Seven years it takes for a person to do that. So therefore, Yaakovinu said to Lovin, I'm going to work for you for seven years. I don't want to start my marriage off with you being the master of my household. I don't want to start my marriage off and you're the guy that's going to be in charge and I have to listen to everything you say and I'm going to feel like I can't bark. I'm going to wait seven years until I'm ready. Then I'm going to get married. And so we purposely waited seven years. I like that answer a lot. Now, granted, again, when you're 84, you might not want to wait those seven years. That might be a lot, right? 77 to 84 is a lot. But nonetheless, he understood, this is what I need in order to make the shvatim. I need to be the leader of the household and not lavan. So he waited in order to make sure that it was going to be completely correct. There's a Malia Omer here that I found that's absolutely crazy. I've never heard this before, and I'd love to see if anyone's heard anything like this before. There was a whole plan going on behind the scenes between Rivka and Yitzchak. Now, here's my assumption. My assumption was that Rivka and Yitzchak knew that Lovin had kids, but they had no idea what the kids were like. That's my assumption, right? They had no idea if Lovin's kids were good or bad. They knew there was somebody there. I don't know if they knew about Rachel and Leah. It seems from the Medrash that Leah and Rachel knew about Esav and Yaakov, and that's why Leah was crying, knowing that she was supposed to marry Esav, and Rachel was going to marry Yaakov, right? According to this Malia Omer, Yitzchak and Rivka were well aware that there was a beautiful daughter named Rachel and there was a not-so-beautiful daughter named Leah. Leah was the older one and Rachel was the younger one. And they knew that. And they came up with a real plan. Said, Yaakov, I want you to go to Lavan for Yomim Achadim. Now, we said before, what's Yomim Achadim? A few years, right? Says in Itziv, there's no way it's a few days. How is he going to... He's going to go to Lavan, be like, hey, Lavan, can I have your daughter? Yeah, great. And then grab or go back? You're going to be there for a few days? How would that be? It must be a few years. No, says the Malayomer. He was supposed to be there for a few days. Here's the shot. Esav took the Bechorah, Yaakov took the Bechorah of Esav. That means that Yaakov is essentially the oldest one, the Bechor. Yaakov took the Brachos because he's the Bechor. He deserves those Brachos, right? If he wants to be consistent, if Yaakov wants to be consistent, who should he marry? Leah the older daughter. That's what he should do. Now that had something over there. Leah was crying this whole time because she thought she was meant for Esau. But really, she's meant for Yaakov. I don't think she even knew that. Yaakov had stolen the Bechorah. Yaakov had stolen the Brachos, right? He was the Bechorah. He was the firstborn. You should go to him for Yomim Achonim. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go up to Lavan and you're going to say, Lavan, I'd like to marry your oldest daughter. Lavan doesn't care about Leah. He knows he's not going to get much money for her because she's not as beautiful. So Levin will give you lay in a heartbeat. Levin will give you lay in a heartbeat. That's not a problem whatsoever. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to take lay and you're going to come back. Now, Yaakovinu wouldn't be blinded by beauty, right? He wouldn't be worried about that. He'd want to marry a woman who's a good woman. Leah's a good woman. 
You won't have to worry about that. Leah has Shvatim. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda come from Leah. Yisachar Zvulun comes from Leah. Said Rivka, you're going to have an awesome wife and you're going to have awesome Shvatim by marrying Leah. So she went to Yaakov and said, you're going to go to Lavan, you're going to ask for Leah. Then a few days later, after you marry her, you're going to bring her back. And then you know what you're going to do? You're going to go to Esav and say, I'm making a peace offering with you. I took Leah. I left Rachel, the beautiful one, for you. And Esav will go and marry Rachel. That is the peace offering that Rivka offered Yaakov for Yaakov to give to Esav. It's a crazy answer. Said Rivka, don't marry Rachel. Don't marry Rachel. Marry Leah instead. You'll have everything will be good. And then Rachel will marry Esav, the beautiful one. And then Esav will pay all the money to Lavan in the world. So Esav will make his, Lavan will make his money off of Rachel. And everything will be good. Shalom al Yisrael and Esav. Everything will be good. Shalom on everybody. Isn't that a great plan? So Yaakov messed it up. Because Yaakov took one look at Rachel. And it wasn't the beauty that got him. It was the fact that she saw how awesome Rachel is and that she was his basherts. And once he saw it, he said, I can't give up Rachel now. I know I'm supposed to marry Leah. I know I'm only supposed to stay here for Yomim Achadim. But I can't. I need to marry Rachel. So he had a different plan. His different plan was, I'll marry Rachel now. I'll stay here for longer. Yomim Achadim, I'll extend it into seven years altogether. And that way, what will happen? By seven years, maybe by that time, Esav will have calmed down. So instead of expecting giving Rachel as my calming down thing, I'll do this in order to calm down, in order to calm down Esav. And then everything will be okay. Because what will happen? I'll marry Rachel. He'll totally forget about everything. I'll come back and everything will be fine. Everything will be perfectly fine. That was the plan of what he wanted to do. He no longer, he knew that it would look like a hypocrite. You're the Bechor, you got the brothels, you're supposed to marry the older one, but now you're marrying the younger one who's more beautiful? So he figured, what's the best way to get somebody to get over something? Time. So he waited seven years, 14 years, 22 years. 22 years. He was willing to wait all that time to calm down Asaph. Now tell me, did it happen at the end of the day? Nope. No, of course not. It didn't happen. Because not only did he marry Rachel, he ended up marrying Leah as well. So he left nothing for Asaph. And Esav knew that, and Esav harbored that ill will in his heart, even as time went on. So it didn't happen. Matthew, you were going to ask? Could it be that uh, if Yaakov had gone and asked for Leah, right? Yeah. And then, you know, he married Leah, then he asked for Rachel, then Lavan's going to say, no, I, I you know, she's more valuable to me. Okay. make more money, you know, and all that. But by Yaakov going for Rachel first, knowing Lavan's going to, uh, you know, for Nishtik, go for uh, Leah first, now he gets both. He was going to get both. The truth is, Yaakov was going to marry both anyway. That was really going to happen. His original plan when he first saw Rachel is, I'll marry Rachel. But he saw what? What did he see in his nevuah when he first saw Rachel? What did he see? He cried, right? What did he cry about? He cried that she wasn't going to be buried with him. So she, he knew she was going to die early. So he figured, I'll marry Rachel now. And when Rachel dies, I'll go marry Leah. He was always going to marry Rachel in life. That was always going to happen. It was just a question of when. Right, did he have to marry them together? See, Levin messed that up. Right? It could be that that's the plan also. I don't know. But this is the idea behind it. Okay, so now let's go in the other way. The end Pasuk, Pasuk Chav, also doesn't make any sense. He says at the very end, it says, He loved her so much, it felt like just a few days had passed. Tell me, guys, when you really want something, does it feel like a few days? 
Like when a year is, it's like a year from now. You think that's going to be so easy to, to, to wait for? Of course not. You want it to be done like that. Whenever you really want something, just look at the clock. The clock goes even slower and sometimes backward when you really want something. You know that recess is coming, for example. You know that lunch is coming. You know that something's happening. The clock is going even slower. Everybody knows that. So what in the world? He's looking at it and it's like, it's seven years. Oh, wow, that was like a day. That doesn't happen. That's not normal. When you love someone and you want to marry them right now, seven years are going to go by at a snail's pace. Not so quickly. What in the world does that mean? It was like Yamim Achadim to him. So the Chizkuni answers, it felt slow all working. But everybody knows right now, think of the past years, past 10 years. Did they feel like they passed by really quickly? Not you, but in everybody else's life. The past 10 years, have they passed really, really quickly? The answer is yeah. The past 10 years have flown. Absolutely fly. When you finish up with something and then you look back at it, you look at it, you're like, oh wow, that flew by. But while you're in the midst of it, it feels really long. When Yaakov finished, it seemed like it was just a few days. Every day was agony. Every, every day he was in star. Every day he's like, oh my gosh, why can't this be over already? But when the seven years were up, he looked back and he's like, it's over. It's done. It felt like nothing. Now it feels like absolutely nothing. And that's just human existence. That's the way we are. We feel that way after everything is all done. That's it. The Razan says it. He says it's even shot in the Pusik he goes through. The Alshach says a similar idea. He was worried that he wasn't doing what his mother told him to do. His mother told him to stay for Yom Ma'chadim. He had absolutely no idea. How in the world was he going to accomplish Yom Ma'chadim? So what he said was like this. He decided at the end, he would look back at everything and say, oh, that was Yom Ma'chadim. So when his mother came to him later on and said, I thought I told you to stay there for a couple days. You stayed there for like a hundred years. Why were you there for so long? Yaakov would look back and say, oh, to me, it felt like Yom Ma'chadim. And that was true. It felt like Yom Ma'chadim. He could translate the words of his mother, which were vague, into Yom Ma'chadim, and that's what it's supposed to be. The Apta Rav says, and I really don't understand this at all, but somebody can tell me this. When it comes to Gashmias, and you really want something, then a long time feels like it takes even longer. But the Apta Rav said, when it comes to Ruchnias, it feels like everything's flying. It feels like everything flew through. I don't know if that's true. I, I don't even know how that works exactly. But when it comes to Ruchnias, things just fly. I guess, I'll be honest with you, I, maybe it's only when I've gotten older, I kind of feel like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur davening fly by for me. And I know that people don't feel that way. I kind of feel that way. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, Shacharis is over. Like, I didn't get what I wanted to get done in the small amount of time that I had for Shacharis and, and on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And I know Shacharis can take three hours on Yom Kippur. It can take a couple hours on Rosh Hashanah. And I get that. I just... I don't feel that way. I feel like when it comes to that, all of a sudden it's over and I'm just like, oh my gosh, did I just finish my Shemona Esrei and I didn't daven for everyone I was supposed to daven for? How did I just do that? I took my three steps back. I'm, I'm ready to take my three steps forward in order for, to say Kedusha, but I didn't do what I needed to do. I think that's sort of what it means over here. When it comes to Ruchnius, it goes by really, really quickly. There's Rabbeinu Bachai over here. There's a Moshe of Zikanim as well. The Be'er Mayim Chaim seems to say the following. I guess this makes a lot of sense. If you keep doing something over and over and over again, let's say you're working a job and it's the same job every single day. It's the same thing. So the first couple days, you might be really excited to do it. You're really into it. But when you do it, five days in a row, six days in a row, seven days in a row, eight days in a row, the Shabbos, so like sort of in a row, you know? So you do like six days in a row and then an eighth day, a ninth day, and whatever it is, so your workmanship becomes a little more shoddy, you know? You're like, you don't work as hard because it's like you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. So like as time goes on, a year passes, two years pass, you're not the same worker that you were 
back in the day. When you first started, you were like into it and you really wanted to do it. But like two years later, it's sort of like, yeah, I got to do it because I got to do it. But I'm not really into it as much. I didn't really do the way that I wanted to do it. Like that's the idea behind it. Says the Bear Malachim, that was the difference between Yaakov and Vinu. He worked like it was his first day. Every day of the seven years, he worked like it was his first day. And he had to. You know why he had to? Because Lavan was looking for any excuse to be Mavatul the star. Can you imagine? Six years, 364 days pass. Six years, 364 days. And on the three, 365th day, Yaakov Vinu caught pneumonia and was sick in bed. Lavan goes up and says, you didn't work for seven years. Tears up the star. And it was done. Now he doesn't get Rachel. Any excuse in the book that Lovin could make up, he was looking to do. So he knew, Yaakov Avinu knew, if he lies low for one day in the middle of these seven years, if he takes one day easy, one day he takes sick, he takes leave and he says, I'm not going to work that one day, he knows what Lovin's going to do. Lovin's going to cancel the entire star. Cancel everything. Has anybody ever thought of that, by the way? Can you imagine? You promised a, a, a Ramai. A guy who's a known liar. A guy who's well known for tricking people. You promised him seven years of work. That is a crazy star. What if you get sick? What if something happens? What if something happens toward the end of it? What are you going to do? So he treated every day as if it was literally his first day. He did every single day thinking, this might be my last day on earth. He treated it like it was awesome. And therefore, there was nothing Lovin could complain about. At the end of seven years, Lovin looked back and said, you know what? That was truly amazing. You really, really worked hard. You really did everything you were supposed to do. And not only that, but when he was tricked into marrying Leah, and then he waited a week, and he married Rachel. He's already married to Rachel. So you think now he can just chill out during those seven years after that, right? You already got Rachel. Lovin can't take Rachel away. He's going to work seven years. It doesn't matter what he does. Everything's going to work out well. No, 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 no. Every single day of the second seven years was done the same way. I worked day and night, he said. I worked in the cold, I worked in the heat. He did everything he was supposed to do. That was the idea behind it over here. The last thing that we're going to mention over here is the chidah, uh, the ksava kabal over here, that I should say, which is really shot in the Pasuk. This was the hardest thing in the world. He wanted the days to go by quickly, but instead every day felt like an absolute year. And that's why it says yamim achadim. It felt like individual days were passing. Yamim achadim. Everybody translates the line of yamim achadim as if it felt like a few days. No, no, no. Every day felt like one individual day. And it felt so long. It was really bad. I'm sorry? Every day felt like one individual day. A yom echad. And then a yom echad. It didn't feel like days were going on in like an order, one after the other, after the other. No, it felt like there was a day, and then there was a day, and then there was a day. And he couldn't deal with it. It was 365 full days, and he couldn't handle it. And either way, says Hassan, so for whether it was a million years, it felt like a million years, or it felt like it went by quickly, Yaakov understood that he had to wait for Rachel, and that was the plan from a Baruch when he was willing to do so. And here's the lesson behind all of it. He wasn't dochek as his man. Most people look at these things and they say, you know what? Anything I can do to hurry it along and to make it go faster, I'm going to go ahead and do. If I can make somebody, I can force someone to give me something so that I don't have to wait for it, I'm going to do that because I don't want to wait. I just don't want to wait. I want to get it right now. Yaakovinu didn't do that. Even though he could have done it. He could have been Marchikazman, push it ahead and just go ahead and do it. He wouldn't do so. That's not what Yaakovinu does. Yaakovinu doesn't get involved in stuff like that. That's the idea behind it. And just to bring up something amazing, the Chida says the reason why Yaakov loved Rachel Imenu. 
And maybe you've seen this before. Have you ever seen somebody go up to a makubal, give him two names of a chassan and a kala, and the makubal comes back and says, it's good. It's going to be a good shidduch. So there's ideas behind it. The chidah says that the reason why he wanted this shidduch so badly is because he realized that both his and Rachel's name were divisible by the number seven. Yaakov is 182. That's seven times 26. Rachel is 238. 34 times 7. 34 times 7. Both were divisible by 7. When he realized that, he knew everything would be okay, and that's why he specifically asked for 7 years. Remember we mentioned that Orachim HaKadosh before? That there's multiples of 7? So maybe, again, this is one of the things that, that these Mikubalim do, whether they're real or not, I have absolutely no idea, but they count 7s. They look as their 7s. Is there a way through the gematria of both names together to get to sevens to go through. Now, I don't want that to be a Sheva Brachos speech because I'm not into gematrias by Sheva Brachos, right? And that's number one. And I'm not into, although they're cute, right? And I'm not into like going ahead and like trying to say like, oh, see? And like you can go to a wedding once and like I tried everything and it's not seven. So this wedding is for sure not going to work out, right? That's the last thing you want to do. Like you don't want to do stuff like that, right? But regardless, the idea of that seven, of how it goes through, that is an amazing thing. What's crazy about that? Leah is a gematria of 36. It's off by one. I mean, what's even more amazing about that? The children of Leah were Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zvulun. Those are amazing kids. I don't mean as in sixes and not seven. I mean, he, she had Yisachar, Zvulun. She had Yehuda. She has Mashiach. She has the Melech. She has Levi, the Kohanim, and the Kohanim Gedolim, the Leviim. Right? Granted, Ruvain, okay, maybe lost the Bechor, but he, her kids are amazing, even though she was only a six. Do you get what I'm saying? So, although we look at this and we're like, oh, it's not divisible by seven, that doesn't mean the Shidduch is not supposed to work out. That's not the only thing you wait for. Okay? So, that's okay. So, if you get up and you're like, They're, it's off, I guess you could say it's off by one, and off by one by Gamatra still works. Right? But the concept, the idea is, is not to go crazy when it comes to this stuff. It's to understand that these are nice. That's not the Iker. The Iker is working out and making sure that everything works in the best possible way for a Kaddish Baruch. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great show.